Some people clap on a one and three. Some people clap on a two and four. Some people don't join at all because they got no rhythm, and that's all right. Some people, they drink too much. Some people don't drink enough. Some people are just like me. I hope y'all forgive them. I'm like Scott and Tommy Corbins. I'm like Pete Southtown, Zan Zan. I'm always speaking my mind, but I'm better off by my tongue. I'm a bad show at the wrong time. Still, I'm a legend of my own mind. I'm good for the song, but I'm not for Welcome to another episode of Two Ales and Hockey Tales with Wally. And today's episode is brought to you by the Bayfield Brewing Company. And today, I am so excited to have on a 28-year-old from Perth, Ontario. His hockey journey took him to Canada, the USA, Germany, Denmark, and Wales. He was an all-star with the Smith Falls Bears and a fan favorite, I believe. (laughs) A two-time second-team All-Star and a one-time All-Canadian first-team All-Star with the Carleton University something or others. He was a bronze medalist in the Universiade with Canada. A fan favorite of the Cardiff Devils where every man wanted to be him and every woman wanted to be with him after when he was singing in the bar. He made every fan hot and bothered in Cardiff, Wales. And his first album was just released, Prophecies. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Mike McNamee, also known as Boston Levi. Thanks for having me, sir. That's a good uh, good introduction. Yeah, well, thanks uh, for coming on. I guess, uh, yeah, um, I would say the biggest news, well, we should say how we know each other and how I, can, I persuaded you on here was, I guess... <laughs> we would know each other through the Cardiff Devils. Yeah. Um, and I guess I gave you a pregame speech once, which. Yeah, I, I saw Dixon you at your told... finest. I saw you at your finest one night for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, that story has been told on the pod. So um, I'm, I'm, assu- <laughs> I'm, ass- I'm assuming you were pumped up that night. Of course I was blown away. I had no idea what I was seeing. i the boys always told me that Lordo had tricks up his sleeve for some pregame speeches, whether it be him or someone else doing it. And um, I was just glad I got to experience it. Yeah, there were quite a few of those. The one year it was uh, <laughs> things, things got really carried away and really escalated. Um, but, you know, you just try and help your team win. But um, so that was the yeah, night we yeah, met. It was nice. Yeah, that was the night we met. And um yeah, and then I just, I guess, also still follow the team, and I would see you singing in the bar to the fans and all the players and everybody be watching, and everybody have their phones out like they're at an actual concert. And I'm like, this guy's like the <laughs> new centerman, and he's doing that in the bar afterwards. I'm like, like this guy is a double threat. <laughs> no, yeah, it was good. I. I... I feel like when I sign places, like people don't really know that, you know, the guitar comes with me everywhere, you know, what I'm capable of with it. But um, I think Fida, you know, social media girl sort of caught wind that I played. And um, it was the funny time, the funny thing is the first time we played, obviously I was brand new to the team. 
it was an exhibition game and we lost and we weren't supposed to lose, but I had scheduled to play upstairs in the bar after. So I was a little sketchy what Lorda was going to think, but we went ahead with it anyways. And obviously people enjoyed it. Well, I, uh, yeah, I've heard some of your songs, which by the way, I see you holding a pen. We've had issues with guys clicking pens in the past. Sorry. Just, you know, I'm not, I'm just letting you know early on here in the pod, you know, I've become a real experienced <laughs> podcaster now. Um, but like, I would see the videos and I was like, wow, that is just so cool. Cause like I played in Cardiff and I knew, I know how fun it is and I know the atmosphere and I had like, I could yeah. just picture the atmosphere with you doing that after a game and everybody really would take to it. I think. Yeah. I think, uh, I bought myself some, some fans just even if I wasn't playing well on the ice, maybe they'd still like me for what I could do off the ice. So, uh, maybe bought me some room if I played bad one night. Well, yeah, no, I, I could, I could see how that might uh, come in handy. Um, and I guess, uh, so your first album prophecies just was released when we're recording this like this week. Correct. And, um, congratulations. That's incredible. Yeah, it was, uh, I guess almost a, it would be a week ago tomorrow. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's all happened really fast in terms of the music side of things. And obviously I stepped away from hockey, um, to pursue it. And, um, that was a big step and, uh, it was just nice to sort of get a, a final piece of art, so to speak out to the world and for people to hear, but uh, I think we're on the right track. Um, so I guess I actually am like curious cause I know you were a swamp rabbit not long ago <laughs> <laughs> playing for Lordo in the coast. Um, but you did make the decision to yeah. stop playing. How, how do you come to that decision? Um, how do you decide it's time? Like it's, I'm going to do it now. Uh, it was something I, you know, I had that same question for a long time, to be honest. Um, it's not an easy decision. Uh, obviously you used to play and you stepped away, you know, everybody steps away at a different time in their own life. And um, I think just last year with the, you know, the pandemic and what's happening in the world, I was at home for the first time for an extended period of time. Um, you know, first time in a long time that I've been home for, you know, more than two or three months at a time. And uh, I think I sort of liked it more than I imagined just being around family again. And, um, you know, being around loved ones. And then last summer, we really hit the ground running with the music thing. Um, it started out of nowhere. And um, in short order, we really realized that with a little bit of work, we could make it into something. And um, then once I got to Greenville, um, I still love hockey. I still think I'm, I could be good at it, you know, if, if I wanted to play, but um, I just wasn't feeling the whole coast lifestyle. And you know, grinding it out down there for, you know, not really going anywhere. Um, I missed Europe, to be honest, a little more laid back. And I just thought I had an opportunity with music I couldn't really pass up. Um, so what is the opportunity with music then? Because I saw like a couple videos on like Instagram and whatnot, and they are like, they're so well done. Like, it, and you have this album come out and I see like, the one song has over 31,000 uh, listens already in the first week that feel it all. And I've listened to it numerous times and it's a great tune, but like, like this is legit, eh? Happens uh, quick. Yeah. I think, you know, what people don't know 
um, happens behind the scenes. Like basically everything in life. Um, there's a band from Kingston, Ontario. I'm actually wearing their hat, the Glorious Sons. Uh, if you haven't checked them out, I suggest everybody check them out. But they've been around for a while now. And um, I've been a huge fan of theirs for years. And they've been able to be very successful. Um, they're, you know, one of the fastest growing rock bands probably on the planet to this day. And um, I got lucky enough to meet them one night. And uh, me and their guitar player kicked it off. And we stayed in touch for years. And um he is now my manager and uh, my guitar player in the videos that you're seeing so um to have him come into my life you know at the way that he did and um he's taken me under his wing 110 percent and um i go down and I'm, that's where i record my music at his house and he's there in the room with me every second of the way so if you're asking what the opportunity was um he is the opportunity to have him represent me and um just in terms of connections and people that know in the music industry, he is, uh, yeah, he is the guy that I can't really walk away from right now. Wow. Yeah. I, yeah. Seeing what you're doing, man. I, I completely agree with your decision, whether I, I got to say or not, because grinding it out of the coast at, uh, I said, you're 28 years old. Like yeah. you're not gonna, at that point, you might get to have some fun in Europe, you know, like I got to, but you, it's yeah. not, it's not going to be a career, right? Like it, it's going to be, your job for a while but it's not an actual career at that point yeah right? yeah it was uh i was basically going to the to greenville because obviously i knew lordo and he brought a few other guys from from uh, cardiff as well and i was basically just going to play hockey for the year sort of thing until i could get back to europe which was basically my goal i had signed to go back to cardiff it was my 100 percent intention and um once i got down there it was just sort of like I mean I would love to go back to Europe I, I believe I probably still could if I wanted to and the doors probably still open but just playing in the coast wasn't for me right now and um, again it was a long decision uh, just you know not playing hockey every day not going to the rink it's been a little bit of a change but uh, I'm still doing all right without it at this moment um, yeah I guess that's I'm curious now. Cause like when I saw you left Greenville, I was like, so he's, he's done. He did it to go be a musician. And like, I figured like, once we get through this, you'd have to like do tours and stuff, but you're saying you, there's there, there, you obviously you're, you're still, uh, you're still itching. Uh, I'm a firm believer on not really closing doors on anything. Um, obviously with the state of Canada is and right now tours and playing shows isn't even possible, um, which is severe really unfortunate um obviously someday it's going to open and that's going to be a reality um i definitely think i will be embarking on some sort of a tour um when that happens but uh, nobody really knows when that's going to happen right now and um you know if the time comes and you know canada still isn't open and i feel like playing hockey i think i still have that option and i don't have an issue saying that <laughs> Um, so this is just curious side before we get into the real hockey side of your life here is um, if this all happened so fast with music during the pandemic and you were a hockey player before, um, have you ever played? Like, what's the biggest crowds you've played in front of? What like what kind of shows have you been doing? Yeah, uh, I mean, since like since I started recording, I haven't 
played shows. I mean, if people are lucky enough to be in the room when we're recording, um, you know, they get to witness that. And uh, I guess that would probably be it. But when I was younger and like going through university, I, I played uh, I played a few like Saturday nights in, in pubs in Perth. I think I did like three or four times, but I mean, you'd probably get what, like 70 people in there, 50 people. And it's not really any of your own music at that time. You're just playing, you know, famous songs and getting paid not a whole lot. So um, in terms of like playing my own stuff as Boston Levi, it hasn't really happened yet. But that being said, um, when I first got home from Greenville, Canada was in a little bit of a better state. And um I had two back-to-back nights of Friday and Saturday shows planned for a hundred people each, and they were both sold out within minutes. So um, I think the, uh, I think it's going to happen and it should be a pretty good turnout once it does. Oh, it definitely will be a turnout, man. Like you're, you're good. I know I'm, <laughs> I'm a fan. I've been listening and like, yeah, the kids and I were listening today. Like you'd like, you've been on my playlist for a while. Like uh, I, yeah, but you, they were out on Spotify before, right? Because I had it on my playlist for months now, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, um, there was two songs released uh, before the album was. So they were just sort of like singles, basically, to, to try and get my name out there and get some traction. So two of them have been out now for one for five months and one for like three months. Yeah, Yeah, because I've, I've listened to them lots of times. Um, so my question was, um, just because I don't know much about music and while I have a musician on, I kind of want to ask these questions. I know you're new to it, but like, so you do have a stage name, right? Like you, you have a stage name. So how do, how do you choose that name and how does, like, what's that all about? Yeah. Um, my, my stage name, Boston Levi, has, it's a great background. Um, my mom actually wanted to name me that at birth, which... Uh, um, I did not know right away. My dad said no, like before I was born, he, he didn't like the name. Um, and my mom told me this when I was like 15 or 16. And I remember losing my mind. I was like, how do you not choose Boston Levi over Mike McNamee? Just in terms of absolute unreal name sort of thing. And, uh, but yeah, Boston was my mom's uh, mother. So Nana's maiden name. And my mom's grandfather's uh, first name was Levi. So they just switched Levi Boston around and that's what I went with. And um, when we were recording and things started getting real, uh, my manager, Jay, said, if you have any other names in mind, you know, Mike McNamee isn't really the most artistic handler, you know. Um, And it was a no brainer for me. I went with Boston Levi within minutes and um, I think it catches people's attention. I think it does what it's supposed to do. I, yeah. Okay. No, and it's got a lot of meaning to you. I, I, I think it's cool. You just explained it to me. Yeah. Now, now all the fans in Cardiff are going to know that we're all hot and bothered all there those nights in the bar. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I guess speaking of things getting real folks, this is real. We have a sponsor. The Bayfield Brewing Company. Welcome to the family. I was there today. I met um, I met everyone. I met a couple of the owners. Um, they gave they gave me some beers to sample here on the podcast, and they were lovely people, hardworking uh, small town 
folks from Bayfield, um, from the locals pod with Jeremy Welsh. I got, I met them and, um, what a partnership I think this could be. They love hockey. They got a beer named after Ryan O'Reilly, which, uh, has came up multiple times that I used to skate with him. And, uh, today's episode is I'm sipping on right here is a captain Ronnie. And I met Ronnie today and it's an India pale ale. And it is one of their most hop forward offerings to date, showcasing the bold taste of hops balanced with a smooth malt finish. This craft brew will please hop enthusiasts and skeptics alike. An ode to Ron Keyes and all of his efforts for the Bayfield Brewing Company. His love of beer is surpassed only by his love of hockey. From the captain himself, cheers. So yeah. Cheers to Ron and his team for um, sponsoring the podcast. And uh, now this habit of podcasting isn't going to be so expensive. <laughs> but anyways, um, it, I've had a couple today. I've sampled a couple. And uh, yeah, the Captain Ronnie is lovely that I'm having today. But we'll get into the other kinds on the other episodes. So th- welcome to the family. Bayfield Brewing Company. And moving on, I guess uh, you were playing with Haddad. I guess we could talk about him later if we have time. Yeah. But um, <laughs> uh, Elite Prospects tells me that you've already signed a contract for next year. So maybe uh, Cardiff and all, all, the, all the teams in Europe, maybe, uh, are, 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 maybe you're just trying to get them jealous so they sign yeah, you that because might, that uh, might be it, it yeah, says you're going to be a North Dundas senior <laughs> rocket. <laughs> yeah it's um one of my buddies is the assistant gm on that team and he just asked me you know if i'd be willing to you know come out and basically for protection purposes so nobody else took me because there's some i guess some sort of draft um i just said yeah like if i'm around sort of thing i'll play so yeah i'm on that roster it's, so i'm protected and nobody else could get me <laughs> Okay. Interesting. Um, (laughs) Okay. Well, if if you end up playing for the senior Rockets, um, we can always uh, have a, you know, a mid season pod to see how the season's going. Um, Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. um, But anyways, I'd like to know then uh, two double question here, minor hockey in Perth. And then when do you start getting into music? Like when does the love of music start as well as hockey? Double whammy. Yeah, that's it's, uh, minor hockey in Perth. Yeah, I grew up in Perth, started playing when I was four. And then, honest man, like, I didn't start really getting into music, like, listening and stuff until I was in probably high school. So by the time I started playing junior, uh, junior, I was 15. And then, um, I didn't start playing music till I was 20. Like I didn't start playing guitar until I was 20. So was this just to pick up girls? Like was this to pick up no. girls? Cause as a 20 year old, I remember going to university and the boys would say like, if you can play guitar, you know, <laughs> and be on the hockey team, like that's the double threat. And that's what you are here, sir. And it wasn't to just pick up girls or did you actually love music? I, I honestly did love music and I, I will be honest with you. My uncle who used to play guitar for us all the time. Um, like when I was younger, 
We actually still to this day call him Ding Ding because he played guitar and that's the sound the guitar makes. So like he would be over every day playing us guitar. He gave me a guitar when I was 13 and I looked at it and I was like, I am never, ever going to play this ever. And 20 years old, when I was in junior, I was playing in Sherbrooke. It was my last year of uh, major junior. Uh, I had so much time on my hands. Just like you go to the rink in the morning and just go home. I just picked it up one day and just sort of ran with it. And like, I was, I was playing by myself. Like I, I wasn't playing for anyone for years. I never showed anybody what I was or anything. Is that right? Like, cause I know so many hockey players that bought a guitar cause they had so much time in pro once like junior, like once you get to pro and like, if you know, there's just some days where you're like, I got to kill a day. <laughs> and there were so many yeah. guys that would buy a guitar. There, yeah. but- but you actually didn't just buy the guitar. You, you really, uh, you really got into her here. <laughs> yeah. It was gifted. And yeah, it took me a long time to actually open the case and pick it up. But, but, uh, that's sooner. Um, well, uh, the only time, uh, I really picked up a guitar was in, uh, Daytona beach, Ohio. We, uh, really <laughs> got into, uh, guitar hero back in the day, back in, uh, I think it was five Oh six, you know, it's a good game. Yeah. That's how the only guitar playing I've ever done. <laughs> uh, okay. So Perth minor hockey then, um, is it what, kind of minor sorry we got to get into your actual hockey life now so um oh dear that's all right i do have a story though so i was almost a musician too um this is a story that has never came up on the pod but um in beating germany and i have a guy that's going to come on and tell the story but basically i sang george Strait, clear blue sky to the entire to the entire town of Beedingheim, Germany before, wow. the, before the parade. Yep. Very nice. So did you guys win in Beedingheim? Yeah, we won uh, my first year there, and then we got progressively wor- worse each year, and then they <laughs> told me to kindly not come back. Um, <laughs> but the first year, they loved me, and um, I sang the whole town um, – karaoke type thing uh before the parade because so basically what happened is there was going to be a parade we're all waiting we're all the floats waiting and there was a square dancing uh float and it was this those older german people and the music was horrible and they're square dancing around but then they started playing some country songs i knew so i was like singing and this german guy says you know all these songs why don't you sing because this old german guy had a microphone and he was trying to sing so I was like, well, if they got George Strait, Clear Blue Sky on that iPod over there, then I will sing if it's on that iPod. Yeah. And he went over and searched nice. it and it Unreal. was on there and I did it. I sang to everybody, the whole minor nice family. Done. Yeah, I, I was pretty good. Pretty good. I almost became a musician. <laughs> okay. So anyways. Yeah, no, I, I was, I, my, I would say my enthusiasm was there and my attitude was right, but, um, I was not, uh, musically inclined. Yeah. I'm a talker. I'm a podcaster. I'm not a singer. <laughs> you didn't have the special stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm a talker. I'm a podcaster, not a singer. <laughs> there you go. Oh, okay. There you go. 
So how do you get to the Smith Falls Bears and where is that? <laughs> that is a good question. Um, yeah, I played minor in uh, Perth. And then <clears throat> once you got old enough for AAA, I forget what, I, what year it was, but I only played two years of that. And then, um, yeah, so I played AAA just in the Ottawa Valley. And then there's a draft the junior a draft this falls is actually only about 20 minutes from perth so they picked me up in the draft and then yeah i made it there my first year as a 15 year old and um good days back then learned a lot in smith falls so did would you live in smith falls or would you be in perth with your parents i was in perth i, li I lived at home which was nice um and I just drove to practice every day because it was only 15 minutes. It was actually a really nice setup. Okay. Well, uh, I'm going to about to crack at navigating Lieutenant, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyways, okay. So the Smith Falls Bears, that would be the same league as, uh, yeah, like Brockville Braves be the same yeah. league probably. Pembroke okay. Lumber Kings. Yeah. Welcome. Um, episode 22, Doug Andrus, if I'm not mistaken around there, Doug Andrus was a Brockville Brave. Yeah. Le nice. Legend there. Um, Very nice. Yeah. Um, so then my next question is you did have a couple good years there and you, you, you're there as a 15 year old, um, but you don't go to the queue yeah. Um, and you don't go the scholarship route. So how do you end up going to the queue later on? Well, I got skipped over in the OHL draft. So technically just cause I'm from Ontario, I would have been OHL property. Um, so I went and played junior a, which was fine by me. Uh, um, I did want to go and get a scholarship in the States. Um, and then when I was 18, I had uh, a really, really good year. Um, and there's this showcase tournament uh, for, for all the teams around Christmas time. And they basically, it's just a tournament. All the teams play their games in the one rink. And uh, it's basically for schools to come watch. And um, really good weekend. I think I had two games or something like that. And then... Um, the scout for the Quebec ramparts came up and approached us and um, we chatted over the next few days. And originally they wanted me to leave Smith falls halfway through my 18 year old year uh, and go right to Quebec city. And um, I actually turned them down, which is pretty ridiculous of me looking back on it. But, um, but you were trying to get a scholarship. Me a they right? asked me to come back for my 19 year old. Yeah. But, um just Quebec City I mean Patrick Waugh um you know they play in front of 15,000 people and uh, um they they included uh you know a university package for me and it was just too good to turn down sort of thing and uh the next year I chose to go there for my last two years of junior and looking back on it it was an unbelievable experience and uh, yeah it was uh it was crazy times. Huh. That is a very different path than most people take, right? Like to go to the queue yeah. that late. Um, yeah, that's, that's a different path, but I get it. So Patrick, what was the coach? And GM. Yeah. What was that like? Yeah. And actually, <laughs> uh, it was crazy to be honest. 
uh, you know, obviously being from a small town of 6,000 people. And then, I mean, I played junior in another small town. Um, I'd never really been exposed to a magnitude of hockey like that. And going to Quebec City, um, I've never experienced fans like that in my life. I mean, I was eight or 19 years old and playing in front of 15,000 people, we would sell out, you know, on a weekly basis. And um, it was a whirlwind. And Patrick is a uh, human being. Uh, You know, obviously, if you watch his hockey, he's a passionate man about the game and he's a feisty guy. And um, that comes out in his coaching too. But um, I learned a lot from him and he did a lot for my family. He brought us down uh, before I signed, watched a play game. He put us up in hotels and he took time out of his day to tour me around. Uh, looking back at it, I can't really thank him enough for what didn't bring me there. And uh, it was just an unreal experience. Well, that's uh, when you said like you were from a small town and uh, you hadn't been around and it was like a whirlwind. It kind of sounds like your music career now because I, I feel like um, you've, yeah. only been, you've only been playing yeah. in front of the hundred people that have been selling out. But like, I don't think you realize how big you're going to be when uh, there there is an actual <laughs> concert and uh, you're going to. I hope so, man. I hope so. Yeah. Oh, no, I, it's I, yeah. Hopefully, uh, the tour comes around this area. Hopefully. Um, that would be lovely. Um, so, <laughs> anyways, where were we? Um, you were in uh, the queue playing for Patrick Waugh, which I had no idea, so that's not on the notes. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, but that's cool. And um, so, I just find it interesting when you play for a goalie compared to uh, – say a defenseman or a forward like I think coaches are different based on what position they played yeah yeah I would agree it's like uh I think he just honestly I never really looked at him this is a goalie coaching me it was more of this is the legend of Patrick Waugh coaching me and uh I remember the first day of the tour I, I mentioned he took us on he brought us to the rink and everything and we went through the dressing room and You just cut out there big time. Uh, um, you know. Uh, yeah, he was just a, he's just sort of the legend of Patrick Waugh sort of thing. And um, it was funny. I remember thinking when I first got there, uh, he had hired a goalie coach, you know, to work for the team. So it was like, that's a little weird, but like, wouldn't he be doing that sort of thing? Um, but yeah, no, it was just, it was mesmerizing for a while, you know, to have this guy as your coach. He's, you know, one of the most famous hockey players to ever play and, um, probably one of the most passionate guys on the ice you could ever watch. And like I said, I learned a lot from him at that time. I mean, I never really learned about, you know, what it took to win or, you know, what it took to play in the playoffs and stuff like that. And that guy instilled, you know, the desire to win every night. And I, you know, I ultimately carried that with me to the end of my career, but playing for him, like I've never seen like anybody control a room like this guy, like when he walks in the door, it's like immediate silence and just like pure respect. But I was saying before facilities there were like top notch, 
unreal. Like I couldn't imagine any other junior team has anything like it. And he was taking me on this tour when he had my family down and there's this training room where you like cut your sticks and get all your sticks ready. And there's a picture of him huge, like the size of the wall after he fought Chris Osgood and his eye was bleeding. It's just on the wall. And I am looking at this thing like, Oh my gosh, this is real life. And it's just like, if there's one picture that sums him up, like his passion, it was that picture. And it's just staring you in the eye every day. It was unbelievable. And it's just like, you better put your best foot forward or else sort of thing. So it was pretty crazy to be in that, uh, you know, atmosphere, but ultimately it was unreal. So what, what arena is that? Where do they, where do they play? What was the, so yeah, they were in the old, where the Nordiques used to play. Is that is right. What it is. Eh? Okay. In the old Colise Pepti. Yeah. But since then, I don't know how many years ago now, maybe three or four, they got a brand new one built right across the street. Um, but yeah, we were playing in the old, the old barn, which was unreal. That would be unreal. Um, that's really cool. Um, so then you did pretty well, but you joined the party late. So then what options do you have out of, uh, out of major junior? Yeah. I, that's, you said it pretty well. Perfect. Like I think I had two pretty good years, but sort of like too little too late sort of thing um you know usually when you sign in pro uh, being an overager like a 20 year old you, you have like outstanding years and mine was sort of just it was good but it wasn't really flashy or anything like that so I wanted to go pro and um I didn't really get any sniffs or anything that I really wanted so um that's when basically all the Canadian schools started calling and um to be honest, I did not want to go on that route. Uh, I never wanted to go back to school ever again. So um, that was tough to sort of deal with. And I bit the bullet and ultimately went, came back home and went to Carleton in Ottawa. Because um, doesn't it work that unless you're – like don't if you play pro for a year, you, you lose your school package in those leagues. Is that not how it works? Uh, I think you have to sit out um, – however many years you play pro. So like if I had have gone after junior and then decided to go to school, I would have to cancel a year of my eligibility in school, you know, for however many years I played pro sort of thing. So but you'd still get the classes yeah, paid for. Obviously I didn't have to. Yeah. 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 Um, yes, that's true. But I would not be able to play uh, hockey, which I mean, I probably wouldn't have went to school if I couldn't play hockey. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so what was your major? <laughs> uh, I'm a psych major and uh, I graduated. I actually did better than I thought I would. Um, my first year, I was a terrible student. Like I said, it was the last place I wanted to be. Um, I never went to class. I failed a bunch of classes, um, but uh, I, I really started to embrace the school life halfway through my second year. And um, I actually started going to every class. And uh, to be honest, getting good marks isn't as hard as uh, people make it seem if you actually put in the effort. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I yeah, actually, I just finished another course. I took a contractor construction management Come course. Come on. Yep, I just finished, uh, well, a month or two ago there. This was uh, mid-pod season, so I did... 
Uh, it took a little longer than expected because I was really going through it. But yeah, no, like you can always take courses and like become a well-rounded player. But like when you get older, you care more about school and you try harder. Like I remember yeah. going to Western Michigan and like we didn't try very hard. Like I would do fine. But like if you just put in a little effort, you could you could just do just fine. Yeah, it was uh, it's something I think every like. I mean, I can only really speak for the hockey guys and, and athletes and stuff like that, but like hockey guys, especially like when you're coming from junior or major junior and you want to go pro school is not where you want to be. So I feel like it's, it's sort of, it's a natural progression that all the guys go through. They don't really like school. And then in their third and fourth year, they start figuring out that going to class really isn't that bad. And then once you go to class, you realize you soak up more information than you probably think you do. So <laughs> you just sort of figure it out. <laughs> uh, as long dude. as you're, as long as you're not falling asleep in, in class and you're. Yeah, no, that wouldn't happen at Western Michigan when you, <laughs> <laughs> when you have all the, uh, the, the, the tests for, um, yeah, a couple of the classes like there's, but if you if you miss a class, you have to sit out a game if they catch oh, you. So yeah. so it's not like you'd ever just go to the class and sleep because you already have the exams. That would never there happen. You go. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm um, in Carleton University though. Even though that's not the route you wanted to go, you did rip it up and you were there a while. But you did play in the Universiad for Canada <laughs> yeah. so what's that yeah. and where'd that happen that was an unreal experience um it was in Kazakhstan and uh it, it was basically the Olympics for uh for university students really it was unreal and um it wasn't the uh the way I dreamed of representing Canada but um still an unreal experience um i think we had 25 guys made up from uh, the ontario university teams and um a couple of the quebec teams as well and yeah we went over to kazakhstan we were there for two weeks and just a crazy crazy experience and they don't hold anything back over there they made a, an athlete's village and um every country had their own like dor dormitory building and um you know, they built brand new rinks and brand new figure skating and ski jumping and, and basically everything for the real Olympics. And um, just amazing. Like, I can't even explain. You, you, you hear people talk about, like, being able to go to other sports at the Olympics and, like, cheer on your country mates and stuff like that. It was it was a really cool thing to be part of. And, and having everybody else come to the hockey games and um, cheer you on is just sort of one common goal. And um, it was really cool to be able to do it. Oh, that, that is really cool. I actually think a kid from Concordon here where I'm living now, uh, Garrett McFadden just did that like a year or two ago. I think he was on that same team. Um, is he a D man? Yeah. Yeah. He played at Guelph. Yep. He wasn't on the team with me, but, uh, I think it's after. No, he wasn't. He might've no, been it'd after. Be, it'd be after. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, he, cool. I think he's there now or someone said he's in Carlton or something, but I don't know. Huh? Anyways, mm. I don't know. I just heard a rumor. He was in that, but I, did, I, it was something about playing for Canada and he was in university, which I'm assuming is the 
Universiad. I'll be the same thing. Yeah. Um, but uh, basically, you go that route, and um, I went Western Michigan route, and I did very well there, and you did very well at Carlton. And guess what? We both end up with the Syracuse Crunch, and we <laughs> and we both end up with about the same stat line. But you get an ass- <laughs> but, but you get an assist, and I get a fight. So I don't know what's better. I got I got I got seven penalty minutes but you got an assist so yeah i don't know who won but um how was your crunch experience did did you get to do uh, sudsy sundays where everybody just goes drinking on sundays or is the game changed i think the game has changed <laughs> um that experience was a whirlwind um i really had no idea what i was getting myself into and um I left immediately after my university career. I think it was like, I don't even know, seven days, maybe less, like six days right after I played my last game. And the, the funny thing is, um, like two, it was my last university game. Like it, it meant something to me sort of thing. And I think it was a Sunday night and we were drinking, obviously, and not feeling very good about ourselves. And then some of the boys said, we should go on a trip. And uh, I was like, yeah, we should like, you know, I, I don't know when I'm going to be leaving, but I had sort of figured it if like, if it wasn't the A, it would be the coast. I would be going somewhere. And so that was a Sunday night. And Tuesday night at 5 PM, we got 12 guys in three vehicles and we drove overnight to Nashville and we spent three days there, I think. And, uh, just a wild time. And at the time, my Carlton coach is fielding calls from all these professional teams, like wanting me to go play for them. So I'm in Nashville and he's calling me like midday, like this team, this team, this team. And I was like, whoa, this is too much. And then on our drive back, we drove through the night again on our way back. And um, he called me and it was about, it was weird, weird, weird. It was about an hour because we crossed the border near Syracuse. And it was about an hour before we hit Syracuse. He goes, I think we're going to get you to go to Syracuse. And I tapped the driver on the shoulder. I was like, you might want to drop me off all the way by sort of thing. I was just joking, obviously. But uh, we got back from Nashville. And two days later, I went uh, immediately to Syracuse. And um, yeah, it was an eye-opening experience, to say the least. Obviously, it didn't go as planned. Um, But I mean, like you said, I got an assist. And um, obviously i obviously i wish it went a little better but um such is life and basically after that i was like i'm going to europe i'm done with this stuff and that's when i jumped to germany it's very interesting because i went to the crunch after like you said university meant something to me i had been with my brothers for four years and we all got put out and we did get into one like you did um for a few days and then I had heard I was leaving right away, leaving right away. And then nothing was happening. Nothing was happening. And then it's like two weeks later. And then they're like, well, it's time to go now. And uh, I haven't skated. It's been that. Yeah. And then you get there. They don't even give you the sticks you want. You can use. You're using some random guy's (laughs) sticks. And then I go out there. I don't, I can't pass to someone because like, it'll go six feet in the air and yeah. like I, I haven't played hockey in weeks. Um, and that's the biggest tryout of your life. 
And then you're like, well, I'm on the fourth line with the fighter. I may as well fight someone. <laughs> and then you're like, you know what? I guess you guaranteed me a contract for next year. So I got to go to the coast and the A, but geez, I just want to go to Europe. So I had to, I had to suffer through Dayton, Ohio for a year. Thank goodness yeah. you didn't have to do that. But I went to the files and almost won that. So, you know, what? <clears throat> great times, crunch, good times, good times. Uh, maybe you should sign almost, the guys. Almost worth it. Almost worth it. Maybe they should sign the guys like right after their last game instead of giving them time to go to Nashville or hang out with Stretch. Uh, yeah, would be boys. a good idea. Yeah, like just get them right into the games instead of giving them a couple weeks to um, train. Well, a funny, a funny thing, when I got there, I got there on a Tuesday and they had a Wednesday night game. And uh, so I practiced the Tuesday, obviously, with the team. And it was totally normal, like no bag skate, no nothing. It was like they were like, yeah, welcome sort of thing. Like, glad to have you. Um, but I didn't know if I was going to play the next morning. And, uh, that night, that day after practice Tuesday on the TV, it said morning skate tomorrow. And my name was there. So I was like, I asked one of the guys, I was like, do players have to take the morning skate? They're like, no, usually if you're on the board, you're not playing. So I was like, oh, okay, perfect. Like I'm going to ease into this. So I go to the rink in the morning and one of the guys who's there, who wasn't skating, who was playing, he was like, he's been there for a long time. He goes, what are you doing here? And I said, well, my name was on the board and he just sort of like giggled at me. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, great. So I get out on morning skate and there's four of us skating. And I go up to the assistant coach at the time and I go, hey, like, am I playing tonight? And he goes, yeah. And I said, okay, what am I doing here? And he goes, oh, coach thinks like you should, you can handle both. I got bag skated that morning. And I played that night in my first game. And I was like, oh, my God, what is this? I had no idea what to do. I was sewing over my head. Um, I actually would get bag skated in the mornings. Um, and then I would go out for warm-ups. And I would have no idea if the jersey would be in the stall after warm-ups. And I would warm no up way. on the fourth <laughs> line with the fighter and it'd be me him and another fighter and we'd all be skating around and the two of them would be like barking at the other team and i'd be like trying to warm up and then we'd come in after warm-ups and my jersey wouldn't be there and i'd be like ah you know <laughs> and it's like ah but no, the HL yeah. was a hoot. Uh, Great times. So then you do go to Bad Nauheim. Um, I forget what they're yeah. called. What are they called? What the are the red, Bad Nauheim? The Red Devils. The Red, red Devils. Devils. I was going to say a fox, but that's uh, the... That's Weisswasser. I was no. going to say, yeah, that's Lausitzer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Fuchse. Yeah. The Fuchse. <laughs> Um, so you go to bad Nauheim and, uh, what's that experience? Like I, I did look at the roster. I, I do know about five or six to eight players, but like Harry long, eh? Um, he'd be an old boy legend. by then. Right. When you're playing legend, legend. So how are you guys that year? Uh, it was a great year. Um, we had a great group of, uh, imports. There was obviously only four of us, but uh, we were, we got along really well from the start and we had a good group of like young local kids too. Um, 
it was a lot of fun and uh, we actually overachieved which made it that time like so much better obviously like the fans are so intense down there and um Nauheim's a small town and the fans were crazy I think we packed that place a little bit of an interesting rink there but um it was a good home um they packed it and it was loud 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 and uh, like I said we overachieved and um it was a it was a good time I'm trying to think if I ever played in bad Nauheim I think they came up to the second league the year I left, I think they were a third yeah. league team. And then they came up when I was done there. But um, so I, the rink, I'll tell you about the rink. The rink is, it was built after the Second World War. And there's only one wall. So like where the dressing rooms are is the only closed off wall to the outside. And then the rest of the walls literally just have like little eaves troughs over the stands and that protects you with say if it was snowing or raining and then it stops like there's no walls you just you literally walk out of your seat turn around and you walk out of the rink it's just like it was unbelievable it was unbelievable honestly like I first time I saw it I was like oh my gosh what am I getting myself into but when it was packed and like it was cold in there it was it was a good place to play oh there's like I've talked about it on the pod, man. There's there's rinks over there that, like, when you see them, you're like, this is the most incredible thing I've ever seen. Like, they're so cool, and they have so much character. And then, yeah. like, and, but, like, yeah, like, when they're the outdoor ones, like, Krim at Chow, I'm sure you played there. Yeah, exactly uh, the same, yeah. Yeah, beauty rinks. Those ones are awesome. So I definitely didn't play in bad Nauheim then. I would remember that for sure. Yeah. Um, so did you, what, when you say you did, you overachieved, what does that mean? Would you make semifinals? Well, I think, I think like, it's so weird with the, with the, like the play-ins and stuff, the playing rounds over there, right? It's like, if you're in, I don't know how many teams were in the league, 12, but like 11 and 12 are eliminated and then eight, nine, 10 or seven, eight, nine, 10 play to try and get in the playoffs we were supposed to be in that group that try and play to get in the playoffs and we ended up finishing like fourth we went on a crazy run at the end like we we won like 15 of our last 16 or something and then uh so that was the overachieving part like the fans we could do no wrong basically like it's it's just a good feeling as an import to like, there's so much pressure on you and, and you can thrive so on well. that right you thrive yeah. on it it was unreal like i honestly can't even put it into words like the stretch we had at the end it was like we almost weren't even thinking about winning or losing we were just playing and we were just rolling over people and then we did lose in the first round of the playoffs but basically everything past the regular season was just a cherry on top so it was great yeah, no, man, those German fans, when they get behind you, it's like, it's as cool as it gets. So um, how do you decide yeah. then to leave there to go to the Al- Alborg Pirates, which I've played there as well? <laughs> Come on. Um, yeah, I actually didn't know this at the time. Um, they actually gave an offer to my agent at the time, Nauheim. <laughs> re-signed me and my agent never told me which i didn't know what? um i would 
I would have went back in a heartbeat because like one of my best buddies to this day was an import on that team with me and he signed there and like what's his yeah, name I, I don't know what happened Cody Sylvester he's from Kelowna yeah he was a good player right he had a brother too that was good what did he Dustin Dust, yeah. yeah I play he one of them was yeah they would play in that league yeah yeah and uh yeah I, I don't know there was a bit of a miscommunication there and then just throughout the summer um Denmark came, came up and I had heard great things about uh, Alborg. Obviously, the year before I went there, they won the championship, which was obviously a big draw. And um, they were going to be in Champions Hockey League, which was obviously a big draw. And, uh, yeah, took it up to Denmark. <laughs> Alborg, yeah, nice arena. A little strange how you come out the bottom there. Um, yeah. But I played for Sunder Yuski. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, I, I was a gold helmet. Yeah, I, had a, uh, I won a gold helmet in that league, by the way. You're a winner, eh? Oh, you didn't. Oh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I guess so. But no, I do have a you're gold. A Europe, you're a European. Did you win a North American? Um, my Western, my Western Michigan hockey team was not very good. Um <laughs> But uh, in the coast, we lost in the finals. In the AHL, I was a fighter. <laughs> uh, but no, I didn't. Oh, I won in junior, though. That's oh, like. So when you said, like, you learned from Patrick Waugh and all that, like, I, when I was in junior, I learned from Barrett Eggett's episode five and, like, the captain of that team. Um, like fish, like there was a bunch of guys that like taught me how to win that year. And like, we did learn how to win. We played three or four best of sevens and we ended up winning it. And you learn a lot about what you can get through and what it takes. Yeah. And you have to go through that and figure out how to actually do it before you actually. For sure. Right. Absolutely. But yeah, no. Um, so in Alborg, um, Thomas Spelling was on your team. I played with him and Sunder Yuski. Um, and I always talk about how good he could wrist shot a puck. Did you ever see that? He is probably one of the rawest talents I've ever stepped on the ice with, for sure. Um, when I was there in Alborg, he was a special dude. Um, and I still think to this day, uh, I still talk about him to guys like, probably one of the most just raw skilled um guys that i ever played with honestly and um yeah he had a good year when i was there with him for sure oh he's yeah and he can shoot a puck like he was the one of the first kids where i was like you're not that big you're not that strong but then he would just get the flex of the stick and it would just zoom off of it right yeah did you ever hear a story about him going to rangers camp not really. I heard it didn't go well. He got drafted fifth round and then just like it didn't go good and he never went back. Right. Yeah. So he went, uh, he obviously got drafted and he, he's like, I think he's just a big homebody. Like he's a quiet kid. And I, I think he just loves Denmark. And um, he would first told them, I guess he wasn't going to camp. And then he ended up going, his agent like told him to go or whatever. And uh, I think he made like the first set of cuts or something and he, he was going to play like in an NHL exhibition game or something like that. And it was like the morning of the game. And he basically just booked his own flight back to Denmark. The team was like calling him 
where are you and stuff? And he's like, just tell them I don't want to be there. And he just left. So like um, that tells you. <laughs> gee, yeah, no, but like I, that, that was right when I played with him was like right yeah. then he was like 20 years old and I didn't play on the same line as him that often because they had him playing with Kim Lucasive or whatever his name is, um, who is the captain to teach him how to be. But by the playoffs, I was playing with him quite a bit. And like that kid could skate, he, like he yeah. could do everything. And I get it. Like I could see him being like that. And like, the thing is, is like hockey's not everything. If you, if that's no, absolutely not, if you want, if you're happy in Denmark, then like, and you don't want to be a New York Ranger or play in Hartford and get bust around everywhere and whatever that life would be for him. Like, how he he's not wrong to oh, be, no, the, be the star not. in Denmark, right? Yeah. No, he's uh he was an unreal kid. I liked him a lot, and obviously, like I said, he's just purely talent. Yeah. No, it's actually kind of making me really embarrassed because I just realized that the Denmark uh hockey T-shirt I wear sometimes is actually given to me from him when he was on Team Denmark, and that means <laughs> I haven't got new clothes in since. 2013 keepsake. <laughs> keepsake yeah i guess so i'm really proud of uh thomas spelling making team denmark i guess <laughs> um okay so albert pirates how did you do because um in the playoffs there it's the weirdest league in the world i've said that okay hold on the uk league might be the weirdest league in the world because they um play for whoever wins regular season as the champion yeah but in denmark if you finish first and the eight teams make the playoffs out of the bottom five to eight you get to pick whoever you want to yeah. play like yeah that's nuts like just play eight <laughs> yeah i don't know honestly um i had an okay year there i had an impeccable start i think i had like 16 points in the first five games or something like that um, and then I went through some injury troubles and, um, honestly, after I came back from my injury, it was, it was a tough year. Um, we didn't have really good team chemistry or camaraderie. Um, there was a big divide between the imports and the local players, which was tough. And, um, yeah, it really wasn't the experience I was hoping for, but, um, all in all, I guess a good learning experience. It made me realize like how much team camaraderie really pushes a team forward. And when you don't have it, it really pulls you back. And we ultimately didn't do well at the end. We lost in the second round, but uh, I think we were really supposed to win. Um, I totally know what you mean. When you don't have team camaraderie, <laughs> I went from, like I said, in Beatingheim from winning it where we all loved each other. We we're all family from the Germans to the imports. Everybody was just a good person. And uh, yeah, by the end there were imports. Like we all had different backgrounds, right? Like we were different type. We were from different parts of the world and we didn't have much in common. Yeah. And then um, the imports were scoring a lot and the Germans weren't. And then all of a sudden, yeah they're trying to point the fingers at them and they're pointing the fingers at them. And you're like, 
I'm supposed to be a leader on this team and I can't even control this because this is so yeah. outrageous. Yeah, there there's some strange situations when it comes to the imports against the whatever it is, the natives of whatever league. Yeah, it, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't ideal for sure. It was uh it turned into a really tough year to be honest. It was uh it's tough to put it into words, honestly. It makes me uh, a little upset thinking about it because we did have a good team and like you just can't put a finger on like why you just couldn't I don't know what it was, to be honest, just between the local guys and the imports, it just wasn't like a good mix at all. Yeah. And it's, it's, it is interesting because then you do go. So um, like I, now I, I get why you probably leave and um, how you end up in Cardiff, but you go from that to I've been in Cardiff and I know what team camaraderie is like. And yeah. I know the type of people you were playing with. You're playing with Richie, you're playing with Bounds, you're playing with Marty, you're playing with Matthew Myers, you're playing with Haddad, you're playing with all these guys that are like we're we're just teammates. Like it is not yeah. about us. It's not about points. It's not about it's about winning games, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, honestly, I will be dead honest with you. Um, I think the toughest part of me walking away from hockey at, at the time that I did was like, I was supposed to go back to Cardiff. I probably would go back again and just not having the chance to do that again. Uh, Cardiff is a special place. Um, it's obviously, as you would know, something really special there with the new management and the new owners and um, I, it's tough to even put it into words, like just saying you saying those guys names puts a smile on my face. And, uh, I had an unbelievable time at Cardiff, uh, both on and off the ice. Well, and it's, it's, it's the people that are there and like, though, like when they did get those guys on their team back in the day, when I was playing there, like Todd sees who people are, he knows who everybody is he knows what type of person they are he knows who he wants um but yeah now now like i i'm letting him know which type of players want to come you know now that i'm a podcast slash agent and he's like well it's, it's up to the new coach it's up to the new coach i'm like really like you give him like that much freedom that's just up to him yeah you know what uh, well it makes sense it makes sense because then when things don't work out Todd's still fine. It wasn't his decision. <laughs> Todd's going to be there forever. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he's got his uh, fingers on the pulse there still. And I'm sure, uh, you know, without a doubt, they're going to bring back some quality guys and the new guys they bring in are going to, you know, fill the holes of the people that are, uh, no, that that, are walking away. That place is special. And you're right. Like it's what makes, retiring from hockey hard it's what yeah make, it like if you don't experience playing in cardiff i bet you it's a lot easier to get out of hockey right because <laughs> because <laughs> because like then you're playing in like say alborg or um say like for me helbron uh germany where like it was it wasn't a that great of a situation all the time yeah. we had good players but like everything else just wasn't good so you can't win that way and it's like then you go to cardiff and they're like what sticks do you want that's very important 
Um, and then they give you the nice apartments and then you see the city you get to live in. And I've talked about it so much on this podcast, but you get it, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, even aside from that stuff, it's just like when you show up in the morning to the rink, it's the best time you could ever imagine. Like, and even playing for Lordo, like, Lordo is a special guy. He's very passionate about the game. He's got some interesting tactics, you know, to coach and practice and stuff like that. And you don't even care because the guys that you're doing it with are hilarious, you know, just having a good time doing it together. It was unbelievable. And then everything you said, like the equipment, the city, the apartments, all that stuff, you know, the fans, all of that is just like a bonus to basically getting to go to the rink every day and it's an unbelievable time like you're laughing the whole time you're there which is you know for me everywhere else has been unheard of for sure it's a totally different experience and like it's funny because you get it because you played in germany which it was good when you're doing good you never played on a team where you're playing bad and the whole city hates you which that's that's an experience that's that's a whole different thing um but then you go to Denmark where like, it's good and everything's fine. But like, but then you go to Cardiff and like just the camaraderie of the people, but it's not even just like, like you said, it's every practice is fun. Every time you go on the ice is funny. Everything's funny, but then you meet the fans too. And like, like, yeah, like they're, and I'm saying this in the nicest way possible. They're crazy, but they're crazy in the best possible way. Hockey players, hockey fans could be crazy. There's hockey fans in other cities where you're like, can you please just give me a little space? Like just a little bit. I've just, please back off just a touch. Um, But then when you get to Cardiff, you're like, let's all have beers. Let's all get together. Like this is so much fun. And they're just, they're great people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, yeah, everybody who has played hockey has dealt with their fair share of, you know, fans that might get a little closer, like close don't talkers. leave you alone. <laughs> yeah. It's like, but yeah, you're totally right. And even beyond the fans, like, I don't even think we mentioned the people in the front office, you know, like from Katrina to Corky to Fee, who was running the social media, everybody is just on board with having a good time and making everything work. And then on top of that, you're winning games and you're successful. It's just a, yeah, it's just a good place to be. And that's Todd Kelman. That's what he does. That's the, and you're right. It doesn't matter who the coach is that I've never talked to or met, but like, like it really doesn't matter because Todd's in, in Todd knows what's going on and he knows people and he knows who's a good person. He knows who's, who's not quite pulled in the right direction. And that's like what you said about the front office. It's like, he, he's like hand selected those people to, yeah. to be there. Like Katrina was just a fan when I got to Cardiff and he was like, she has so much passion for this team. Yeah. She's a good person. She loves it. And like, talk about a great, um, a signing, I guess. Right. Absolutely. She yeah. does everything. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, that's Todd. Like he knows, he knows, he knows what to do. Yeah. Learned a lot from that guy. Learned a lot from that guy. Um, so you would have played again the second year, but I guess 
then COVID happens uh, right before you're going to win the whole thing, yeah. right? Yeah, that's, uh, that's crushing for sure. Um, we were well on our way to uh, hoisting another trophy for the Devils, I believe. Yeah, but, and you never um, get that night. Yeah, I would like, I, I couldn't even imagine. Like, that's another thing. Like, everybody who's in that room had won multiple, you know, like in that city with those people. I just couldn't even imagine what it would be like, like <laughs> to win with everybody on the same page. I can't, yeah, I'm blabbering here, but. I wish we like obviously COVID didn't happen because I think we were what four games away from from being able to raise the trophy and then probably having a good shot in playoffs as well. So it was really really disappointing at the time. No, and like it, it still would be like that shit doesn't just go away. Um, yeah, it really doesn't. Like um, that shit hurts, and uh, especially when you're that close and uh, you guys were gonna win it, and then all this happens and then you never get to like, you haven't played there again. I hope you get to, if that's what you want to do, but like, I think you're kind of a big deal that you don't like, I don't know if you're realizing that, but like if it's, so I guess the next Wally night would have to be at like the, a Boston Levi concert where I like crowd surf spray painted or I don't even know. Right. I mean, if you want to show up and do that i will make sure security does not lay a hand on you <laughs> no I, I i yeah no i uh i i i'm curious what's gonna happen moving forward with you because i think uh listening to your music like i just i'm not sure how you play hockey anymore but you are still good at that so it's kind of hard right yeah, honestly, like I think for anybody to predict like what is going to happen with music and just in terms of me is sort of putting the cart before the horse, but um, all signals would point to um, it being a success. And like, I don't want to speak, you know, like I'm cocky or something, but I think, like I've said before, I've got the right man in my corner. Um and not only him, I've got a good team behind me in terms of, you know, the new music family that I've formed. And um, I've met a lot of good people um, and a lot of people that have helped me out and um, that believe in me. And um, it's happened so fast. And um, yeah, I hope someday that I'm filling stadiums, not playing hockey, but playing music and um I do hope one day that maybe the Viola Arena is is one of them. Um, I would like to make that happen if that's a possibility. Oh, that place would be jammed. <laughs> that place would be jammed. <laughs> like, my gosh, I saw them at the bar. It was just disgusting the way they were drooling over you. Like, Yeah, I had uh, – I had, it crossed my mind, like, weeks ago um, – and I, I just messaged my manager and said, like, what would it take in terms of just like getting gear over there and stuff like that to play a show in Cardiff and stuff like that? He goes, well, it would be a lot of work. But if you think like you could draw in the fans, like it would be 110 percent worth it. And I said, well, I haven't messaged Todd yet, but when the day comes, I will. And um, 
I think uh, I think it could be a, a a big possibility of happening for sure. Dude, that would be so cool. <laughs> like, yeah, that would be so cool. I yeah. actually kind of hope that now listening to you and like I could tell you still got the itch, which you know it's hard to get rid of. But like, man, you're you're so good at singing that like. <laughs> Um, I know you want to win in Cardiff and like, I hope that happens for you if that's what you want, but like with what I've seen you do in, I guess you were a swamp rabbit, like (laughs) you were a swamp rabbit, like less than a year ago. And now I'm seeing the shit I'm seeing out there and I'm like, he's still thinking about playing hockey. Like, (laughs) Um, you, you only, it's like pigs with, uh, with cancer. It's like, yeah. I know you yeah. love it. I know you love hockey, but like, come You're on, guy, cancer, come on. Brother. yeah. And it's like, <laughs> dude, like, uh, like, like your song, like feel it all. It's like, like you listen to it and you're like, I don't think you're a hockey player anymore. Sorry. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. It, it is crazy. I, I totally agree with you. And maybe I just don't want to fully admit it right now that hockey might be totally behind me. Um, I think I've come to grips that, um, you know, it's behind me for right now, but I always sort of hung on to the idea that if I wanted to play again, I could somewhere. Um, but again, like if this music thing keeps going the way it's going and I get a chance to play some shows for people, I think, uh, I think the next time I'll be in Cardiff, we'll probably be playing music. No, I agree. And uh, I just, I hope uh, you don't become too big time to uh, not hit the uh, West coast of Ontario because uh, (laughs) not many people make it out this way. We got to start somewhere. So uh, I'm sure the first few shows will be a little more homier than once we get rocking and rolling, but um, no, I, I, I don't think I could ever be big time or too big time for the hockey community that I've been a part of. I mean, since I've released music, the hockey community has been unreal in terms of support and just sharing it on social media. And um, and I think that's where my story differs from everyone else. Um, you know, I, I made a pretty good name for myself playing hockey and then just having that following of all the teams that I've been able to play on and all the guys that I've met. Um, I think it's just sort of a head start above everybody else who just starts a band out of nowhere sort of thing. Well, do you want me to say my thing now? Are you ready? <laughs> sure, brother. Um, when I don't really know you and I do my pregame speech, I jump out of, you know, the coach's room. <laughs> And you go out, play a game. I don't really know you. I see everything you're doing on social media and everything else. And uh, I was like, Jesus, this guy is like, he's legit. He's the real deal. But then, like, when I knew I wanted to reach out to you and I knew, like, I, I really, really yearned to have you on the podcast was when, when you're your album was released the people that shared it on social media that i saw was pigs marty um like the people that i hold truest and dearest to my heart were like 
like they were writing like you gotta listen to this you gotta see this guy and i was like this guy isn't just a musician he's not just you know boston levi he's also mike mcnamee and um he's also a beauty that played for the devils that like all my best friends are saying this guy's a beauty and they're supporting him um i'm like well like obviously if we were teammates at one point we would have got along just fine yeah i think we would have been uh yeah i think we would have been okay um no those like like i said like the stuff and time like the stuff i learned in cardiff and the time that i had like that team is something i honestly i think special for everybody who was involved like our group chat that team group chat it's been like a year and a half now there's hundreds of messages in it almost every day we still chat and shoot the shit and um that that's that that's great that's great i got a podcast though so i get to text with lots of people too but uh i was kicked out of that group like five years ago so thanks <laughs> thanks for bringing it up i just think that, like i've never experienced anything like that you know um just i know we just enjoyed each other and it's it, it's it's a good time like everyday group chat it's always a laugh and uh, um yeah obviously those guys are supporting me and that's uh you know that's worth its weight in gold really ah uh, it's yeah no and i i remember the group chats and like i like even in germany like we never had a group chat and like i'd never yeah. been a part of one and then you get to cardiff and then all of a sudden there's this group chat and it is so absolutely ridiculous so like there's some days you can't keep up with it. Like there's some days where like you can't show anybody what's on it. It's, it's, it's incredible. Like it really is. It's a good time. It's a good time. Yeah. And like, but that's team camaraderie and that's what wins. Like when everybody gets along and everybody's having fun and those are those people in Cardiff that make that happen. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. What um, I have three percent left on my cell phone. I hate You're about to... done, dude. Um, I think we got nothing left other than uh, the only thing is you're from out the Ottawa way. Is uh, stayinblue.ca. If you put in Wally twenty, that's twenty percent off a three night stay in the Collingwood Blue Mountain area. So, uh, yeah, if anybody wants to go to the Collingwood Blue Mountain area, I know I didn't do the promo this time, but Wally 20 on their website at stayinblue.ca. Wally 20 is going to get you 20% off a minimum three night stay, folks. Just saying. Um, But anyways, thank you so much for coming on because like when you become big time and I can Uh be like, and I like, and you're already getting there. I could be like, That guy was on my pod, so you know what, folks? I'm a big deal, big deal too, right? Well, when I need you uh, to pump up the crowd, I know who to get after. Oh, I'm not sure about that. I'm more of a hot. I'm not sure if I. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to do that again. That was a one. Only deal. if you spray paint a lightning bolt on your back. Lightning bolt? Is that what we're going with? Yeah, that's my logo. Okay, well then I'll do it. If you want I me will. to, I'll do it because you came on my podcast and now you're going to become you big time. So thank you, sir. <laughs> there you go. Thanks for having me. Hey, buddy. And uh, whatever happens with music, 
hockey. I can tell by the person you are, you're going to be very successful. And it was very <laughs> nice getting to know you. So thank you. No sweat, brother. Thanks. Some people clap on a one and three. Some people clap on a two and four. Some people don't join at all because they got no rhythm. And that's all right. Some people, they drink too much. Some people don't drink enough. Some people are just like me. I hope y'all forgive them. I'm like Scott, I'm a